Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The World in 10. It's your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world, written by our correspondents and contributors at The Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. Coming up on today's podcast, we ask whether Turkey's president could resort to cheating to win the election. Also, staying with politics, we find out why the arrest of Imran Khan is different than for Pakistan's other prime ministers. Plus, who was crowned at this year's Eurovision and did anyone get the dreaded Nil Kwan? This is the moment when the first votes were cast in Turkey's general election. Photographers, of course, on hand to capture that moment. Now, this election could lead to an historic change in power, with President Erdogan facing one of the most significant challenges in the two decades he's been in charge. But today, the Times of London asks, will Erdogan cheat at the 2023 election? So concerned is the opposition. They've taken huge measures to stop any chance of manipulation. Here's Louise Callahan. She's the Times and Sunday Times Middle East correspondent. The opposition, they have done this incredible, incredible, overwhelmingly huge effort, an unprecedented effort to get together half a million volunteers, including thousands of lawyers. So in every single polling station in Turkey, they say there's going to be volunteers from the opposition um, and and also some from the the ruling party um, who are going to make sure that this vote goes forward. Erdogan has, of course, denied that he would attempt in any way to interfere, saying on Friday, we came to power with democratic means. If my nation decides otherwise, we will do what democracy requires. Despite that, the opposition's also told voters to charge their phones and download a VPN in case of attempts to cut electricity or even block the internet. So I asked Louise why these elections are so different. What's at stake is, honestly, it's the future of Turkey. These are the most important elections probably in the history of the modern republic. They're certainly the most fiercely fought. For the first time, the opposition has been truly united against Erdogan. I've lived here for six years. I've covered these elections before. And for the first time, I feel, and the people that I've been speaking to feel, that there's an actual possibility that Erdogan might lose. Should either win over 50% of the vote today, they will become president. If not, The race goes to a second round in two weeks. Remember, you can take out a digital subscription to read Louise's article in full and to continue following this developing story. 
Last Tuesday, Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan was arrested on corruption charges. The country descended into chaos when his supporters went on the rampage demanding his release. At least 10 people died. Hundreds of police officers were injured, buildings damaged and more than 2,800 people arrested. In today's Times of London, our chief foreign correspondent Christina Lam explains why Pakistan keeps arresting its former prime ministers, but also why this time it's different. I've seen pretty much every prime minister and president appear in court or be bundled into a a police car because almost without exception every prime minister has arrested their predecessor and always for corruption charges sometimes with some uh, reason and so Imran in particular is actually facing I think it's more than 140 corruption charges at the moment. This time it's different because the military have been behind some of these previous arrests, but this time it was very open. Uh, It wasn't police that went in. He he was making a court appearance and paramilitaries, rangers stormed the the court in Islamabad and and, uh, took him, made clear and they issued press releases about how people need to behave and uh, mustn't be uh, trying to threaten democracy. So they made very clear that they were openly behind his detention. Christina's article explains how it was with the army's backing that Khan was made prime minister in 2018, but how he was ousted four years later after losing that backing. Since then, the former international cricketer's been very vocal with his criticism and his arrest followed a series of ill-advised tweets and a speech attacking the army and its military intelligence directorate. So... What happens now? I mean, it's sort of open battle between Imran and the military, which usually doesn't end well. But there is one key difference from previous times, which is that actually Imran Khan is the most popular politician in Pakistan. And he has a lot of support within the lower army ranks. So there is some division this time within the army over what to do about him. It doesn't end well taking on the army. So at the end of the day, it's very difficult to become prime minister without their backing. I think they want him out of the way. He's facing all these cases. It would be very easy for him to be detained so he can't contest elections. Today, Imran Khan has called on his supporters to go out on Sunday night and peacefully protest. He asks his supporters to hold up placards reading Real Freedom, Save Constitution and Save Pakistan. He continues, all you need to do is stand outside in your street for an hour, for me and for your country. We'll find out tomorrow how peaceful those protests will have been. When ISIS rampaged through the Iraqi city of Mosul in 2015, it destroyed the city's museum and with it a number of ancient Assyrian statues. Now, almost 10 years on, a team of art conservationists are working to piece those broken statues together. My colleague, Amy Gill, has been reading about this. And Amy, how big is this project? Well, as Times' Middle East correspondent Richard Spencer put it in his article, it's said to be the world's hardest jigsaw puzzle. Now, these massive statues were shattered into thousands or perhaps millions of fragments. 
In 2015, ISIS actually filmed themselves destroying them, but the full extent of damage wasn't known until two years later when Iraqi forces, with the help of the British in the US, recaptured Mosul. Richard Spencer visited the museum and saw just how much work the conservationists need to do. There had been a lot of damage, obviously, to the museum and the, the things that couldn't be moved, these monumental sculptures, like uh, these huge winged uh, bulls with human faces that the, the ancient Assyrians used to guard their cities. They had just been blown up with, um, with dynamite, um, a couple of other things as well. What we also know is that one of the reasons they were filming themselves smashing up the, uh, the smaller statues with sledgehammers was that they were actually looting the real stuff. Accompanying Rich's article are some incredible photos that show just how painstaking this restoration project will be. Work to rebuild the museum will start next year with the aim for it to be open to the public by 2026. Now when it does, it will not only feature these destroyed pieces, but thousands of items that have been taken to Baghdad. There are also efforts to get back looted pieces, helping to bring one of Iraq's most important cultural centres back to life. Now, no one can say the English Premier League has been boring this season, more for what's going on off the pitch than on, to be fair. The revolving door of managers has now spat out Maurizio Pochettino at Chelsea. He'll be taking over at the end of the season after Graham Potter was given the boot last month after just seven months in charge. Pochettino, who used to manage Tottenham, takes on a team currently 11th in the table and who won't be competing in European football next season. Now, before we go... 243 points! We have a winner! Sweden! Yes, that is right. Sweden is this year's Eurovision winner. They won with a song called Tattoo by Loreen, who actually won the competition back in 2012. Sweden went in as the favourites, but it wasn't an easy victory for them, as Times Radio's entertainment correspondent Ellie Phillips explains. There was a point in time where it looked like potentially they weren't going to grab it because what happened was they announced the judges' vote first and that left Sweden at the top of the leaderboard. And then they announced the public votes. And interestingly, if it was just up to the public, Finland would have uh, had 367 points, which uh, overtook Sweden, because Sweden were only awarded in the 200s by the public vote. But added together, it ended up with Sweden winning overall. But the night was really all about one country in particular. Ukraine was supposed to host this year's competition after winning in 2022. But due to the war, the responsibility of hosting fell to the UK. I will, of course, skate over the fact the UK came second from last. Ukrainian journalist and presenter Maria Romanenko was in Liverpool during Saturday's final. And she says the city did well to honour Ukraine. I think they definitely... Uh, have gone above and beyond to to make sure that people realise that this is a competition that's held on behalf of Ukraine. Um, so I really enjoyed being here over the last week, not just as a journalist, but also as a volunteer showing Ukrainians around Liverpool. And that's it for today's World in 10. We are back tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.